0: Again, good morning. Happy New Year. Welcome. Everything else I could say for a salutation. I'm Dion. I'm so glad that you're here today. Uh, welcome to those of you who are joining us online. We begin a new series today called It Is Well. You just you saw the new uh, title package for it. it. feels like you're in a club a little bit. You know, get your body moving, which is, uh, which is appropriate for today especially because we're talking about wellness in this series, but today we're talking about a healthy body, which frankly is a little cliche, isn't it? right in the new year to talk about a healthy body. I mean, it's everywhere. You open up a magazine, you turn on your TV, and you watch a morning show or a talk show. Uh, You look on social media. It is all on fire right now with tips about fitness and getting your body in good shape. And so it just seems like we're joining in. In fact, um, I I went to my favorite store, Amazon.com. It's my favorite store. And uh, I looked this week at some uh, book titles related to fitness. I was curious about how many there would be. And there are are thousands, probably hundreds of thousands. I picked out a few of my favorites. So uh, this was one. Younger Next Year, which sounds good, except I don't know if this author can be trusted. I don't know if they know how age works. It doesn't, doesn't work that way, but that sounds intriguing. Or for the women, um, I like this one, uh, The Lazy Girl Guide to Fitness, which I think is not available in stores because la- lazy girls wouldn't go pick it up themselves, I guess. Um, or how about this one, uh, The Hot Mommy's Secret, Volume 1, Fitness, Food, and Attitude. Maybe that's a book you could read, I don't know. Um, or I like this one, this is for, uh, for another population here. This is for The Walking Dead fans, Get Fit or Die. Um, and the subtitle of this book is actually The Scout's Guide for Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. So if that's a big concern of yours, here's some tips, specifically how to get fit so you can survive the zombies. Okay, um, or how about this, garlic and honey remedies, um, which may work to solve your health problems, It's probably not going to help you with your dating problems, though, if you're doing a lot of garlic, especially. Um, Or how about this one? I like this one. Facial fitness. For those of us who only care about looking good from the neck up. Or um, take a look at this one. The the U.S. Navy Seal Guide to Fitness. So this is the trifecta. So you've got Navy SEALs, but you know, it's all the Army-Navy thing. So the Navy couldn't be outdone. We've got Army push-ups which I'm not sure why you need a whole book for figuring out how to do that. That seems a little crazy to me. Um, But if you can't get into the Navy or the Army, if they won't let you in, we've got this. We've got Felon Fitness. (laughs) The subtitle, How to Get a Hard Body Without Doing Hard Time. (laughs) Fascinating, isn't it? Uh, Or if you want to go no frills, we've got Fitness 101 by Justin. Nice title, Justin. Nice cover, too. Did you make that on Snapchat? I mean... (laughs) Come on, are you serious? But you can get it in Amazon. Or if you want to go mystical and go a little Eastern, you can find your inner ninja. Um, or last, this is my favorite because it just says it the way it is, how not to die. Because um, that's all kind of what we hope for with fitness, isn't it? Just to prolong that, uh, that death that is inevitable. Uh, in spite of all that's written out there, um, all that we read about fitness... Physical fitness, taking care of our bodies, it's something that remains an intense struggle for us. It's something that is elusive for so many of us, especially this time of year after the holidays, right? We're all feeling it. We're all feeling this need to to be more healthy physically. And yet it's something that's so hard for us to get a handle on in our lives, in spite of all of the knowledge, in spite of all the resources that we have. And I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure if that's just a result of our sinful, broken world. I'm not sure if it's because we live in a culture of so much, you know, we've got so much abundance, there are so many opportunities for us to indulge, it's hard to say no to all of them. I'm not sure if it's because we're living in a world that's obsessed with body image, In in their obsession with body image, we've all gotten neurotic about health in, in our bodies. Or maybe it's because we have a bad theology when it comes to our bodies, See, I think all of those things are true, but I think especially the last is true. I think we've got a bad theology when it comes to our bodies. See, I think for most of us, when we think about our bodies, we either think too much or too little of our bodies. And those of us who think too much about our bodies, that's often a theological problem. We are people who think that, that physical, the physical life is the only life, the only life that really matters. And so for some of us, we pay too much attention to the physical side of things, thinking that's, that's all that really counts. That's all there is to life, is what we can experience through our physical senses. We're thinking that, that all we have to offer, all we are as people, are physical beings. And so we, we obsess about our physical self. But I think more often than not, and especially most of us who might be in a church uh, today, we might think too little of our bodies. Too little of our bodies because we think in the big scheme of things, the grand scheme of things, our bodies don't really matter all that much. And so we think too little of our bodies. And so we abuse our bodies, we mistreat our bodies, because we just kind of think, hey, you know what, someday I'm going to leave this body behind. I can say goodbye to it. I I can put it in the ground, and then I'm done with it. I'm free from it. See, that's a bad theology of the body. I think a lot of us, even in modern Christianity, will, will, will say things like, you know, it's just my body. What does it matter how I treat my body? Because what really counts, and we have this idea that what really counts, what really matters to God and, and to me is my spirit and, and my body. Well, well, it's just this thing that I'm kind of trapped inside. It's, it's just my body. If you haven't said it, You've likely thought it, or you've thought a corresponding relating thought to it. That ultimately, in the big picture, our bodies are less than the rest of us. Now, this has been an ongoing misunderstanding amongst people. Um, and today we're going to look at some words from Paul, who was writing to believers, Christians living in the city of Corinth, which was a very Greek city. And they also suffered from a bad theology of the body. They also thought too little of their bodies. Um, In many Greek philosophies and Greek religions, they actually believed that the body or the physical world wasn't created by any of the high gods. That the physical world was created by some of the lower gods or demigods or even devils as, as a prison for what is really important, which is our spirits. And so as a result of that, they, they did all kinds of things. They got into some weird stuff because they didn't think whatever you did to your body really mattered that much for the real you. And in the big scheme of things, they said, hey, the physical world doesn't matter. And so Paul began to address this, and we're going to look at his words today in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And he began to set right their theology of the body. Now, his main issue, and I'm just gonna give you a heads up on this before we dive in. His main issue as he talks to them is primarily about sexual immorality. Um, and so he's gonna talk a lot about that, and that's not my primary concern, although it certainly does apply to what we're gonna talk about today. But in setting the record straight about sexual immorality, Paul gives some powerful teaching about the body. That I think we all need to benefit from today. So let's take a look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, you can open up your Bible in the seat rack at you e to page 1146. Uh, if you're joining us online or um, even in the room with your smartphone, you can go to uversion.com uh, and join us there as well. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul says, uh, and, and here he's quoting them, he's throwing words back at them that they have said. He said. They have said, I have the right to do anything. I have the right to do anything. So Paul says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So Paul starts this section again with this this quote that the Corinthian Christians, or maybe just everyone in Corinth, had been saying. And it was this basic idea that that I can do anything I want, especially when it comes to my physical self. Now this was especially tricky for Christians because, in a sense, they're right. They're, They're talking here about Christian freedom. And if, if we track with the gospel, then what we learn is that Jesus Christ has done everything necessary so that we can find favor with God. That because of Jesus, through trusting in him, we have favor with God. That we don't have to keep rules. We don't have to keep God on our good side. There's actually nothing we, we need to do to make God pleased with us. Through Jesus, we are pleasing with God. And so we've got freedom as Christian people. That's rightly understood. Uh, And yet, these these Corinthian people were taking a weird application to this. And so, Paul doesn't argue with this, saying, I have the right to do anything. He doesn't say, no, 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 that's not true. He actually says, yes, that is true. You, You are free in Christ. You have freedom in Christ. But he puts a but there. He says, but, even though you're free, not everything you do is beneficial. So so you may be free to do it, but it's not wise to do it. It may not be beneficial for you. You may be free to do it, but be careful because you might end up being mastered by the very things that you are doing out of your freedom. In freedom, you may do things that end up mastering you and they take away your freedom. So Paul argues, yeah, you're free, but then he goes on with another argument here. Again, their words, you say, Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. So there's another saying they had there in Corinth, this idea that, hey, you can eat what you want. You can do what you want to your body. You can put what you want into your body. It doesn't matter because God's going to destroy all of this physical stuff anyway, which again, I think sounds a lot like modern Christianity. Uh, I think it it relates even to how we treat our environment and our physical planet. We just say, hey, God's going to destroy all of it anyway. What does it matter? And Paul says, hold on, hold on. Look what he says next. He says, the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, and he will raise us also. So some powerful truth here that Paul begins to lay down as he, as he gives him a, a fuller theology of the body. He says, hey, the body isn't meant for, for abuse or misuse, but it's meant for the Lord. And, and this is really fascinating. And the Lord for the body. See, again, in, in ancient cultures, this idea that, that God would care about the physical world, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing. And so Paul says, hey, your body is meant to be dedicated to the Lord, but the Lord is also dedicated to your body which is not how most of us think we think yeah god is dedicated to me to my spirit to my well-being to my forgiveness to my eternity we don't often think no god is god is dedicated to my physical being and yet paul says it's true he backs it up with this he says by his power god raised the lord jesus from the dead physically and he will raise us also so when jesus comes back our physical bodies that are put into the ground or cremated or whatever will, will, will be revived. They'll be remade. They'll be glorified. But we will have a physical form, he says. He says, so again, hey, it's not the body or food for the body and the body for food and God will destroy them both. There's a deeper theology here. And then he goes on and he gets practical with some, uh, some examples. He says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. No way. He goes on. He says, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? So, you know, through this bodily union, there's this greater unity of being that comes, he says. For it is said the two will become one flesh. And then he goes on. He says, But whoever is united with the Lord is united with him in spirit, in in this deeper kind of unity. So here's his bottom line. He says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So you can sin against your own body, he says. He continues. He says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies." So again, Paul is talking a lot about a certain kind of immorality, but really this applies to everything with our bodies. And I mean, did did you catch what he said there at the end of it? He says a lot of deep stuff there. He says your body is to be dedicated to the Lord, and the Lord is dedicated to your body. He cares about it. He says that not only did God create your body, but but through Jesus, God has redeemed your body, and he will raise your body from death uh, when Jesus comes back, and you will be a body and a spirit in eternity forever when Jesus returns. He says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now think about this, there, there was a time when the Holy Spirit dwelt in a temple, and, and the Jewish people, they took great care of this temple. They, they stewarded the temple well. They would not let the temple be desecrated by anything, because that was the dwelling place of God. And now, because of Jesus, the one in whom the Spirit fully dwelled, and, and he shares that spirit with us, we are now the temple Of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is some deep stuff that Paul is laying down as it relates to our bodies, but his bottom line is this your body matters. It matters deeply to God. And not only that, implicit in all of this, is this idea that your body is connected to all of the rest of you. I mean, In our series graphic, you can see it. We're going to talk about all these aspects of, of our minds and, and our, our spirits, um, our, our vocation, our purpose, our finances, our relationships. All of these things are interrelated, and your body is a part of that. Your body is an important player in these interrelationships. Your body is not a lesser player. It's not less important than this other stuff. So this saying that we, that we have or, or that we think in our minds, that it's just my body... It's just my physical self. That's not the real me. That's not the stuff that matters. That's not true theologically. And I think this is part of the reason that we struggle so much when it comes to our physical health. Because we have a very isolated, we've divorced our physical self from the rest of us. We've separated these things. But, but, But the reality is our physical self is interwoven with every other part of ourself. It matters to God and it matters deeply to us. It's not just my body. My body's important. At least for two key reasons that I want to share with you today. The mystery of how we are interrelated is is just beyond me and and I think we're learning more about that even scientifically. Uh, but, But there are two things that I know for certain when you get your theology right about the body that I think can be really powerful for you. And the first is this, that your body is an indicator. Your body... Is an indicator. Your body is, is a warning light. It's a signal about a lack of wellness in any part of you, in, in the bigger system of you. Your body is often the first sign that there's trouble going on somewhere in your overall picture of wellness. I found this out the hard way a couple of years ago. Um, a couple of years ago, I started getting chronic hives. Every day I was getting hives. Now, this is not altogether, unfortunately, this is not altogether unique for me because I was given crummy crummy genetics from my parents. Thanks, Mom, right? Um, And so I've struggled with being allergic to different things. And so I was getting hives, and so I was taking like half a Zyrtec every day, and I thought, man, i got to take more, so I'll take a full Zyrtec every day. And I started doing that, and it worked for a little while, and then I started getting hives even still, and I thought, man, this is not right. And so I did an elimination diet, I did a detox, I started looking at different food triggers, and I found that there were some food triggers um, that were, that were uh, causing me trouble, but, but the hives didn't go away even then. And what I began to realize as I dug deeper into this is that my body was telling me something. What it was telling me is, is that stuff wasn't well within me in other parts of my life. I was in a season of high stress at work, um, I was in a series, season of, of just relationship change and relationship dynamic shifting. I was in a season of a lot of different things going on, and I thought I was managing them well. If you would have asked me, I would have said, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. My, my, you know, mentally, I'm healthy. Relationally, I'm healthy. You know, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good in every way of life. But I wasn't. And I didn't know that. I wouldn't admit that. I wouldn't realize that until my body, this, this indicator that God has given us, started saying, hey, there's a problem here. And it may be a problem with your physical self, what you're eating or what you're putting in, or or it may be a problem with something deeper. See, this is what's fascinating. When you you get your theology right about the body, you begin to pay attention to the messages that your body is sending you about wellness within your whole being. And so today, you know, if, if you just look at yourself, if you look at your life, if you look at your health, if you look at yourself and you realize that you're not in great shape, that you're not feeling well, that you're carrying around excess weight, that's probably a message that something within you is not well. Now, now I realize there are genetic disorders, there are diseases, there are, you know, bad genes. I've got, I've got those too. So it's not always a sign of something, but often it is. Your body can be a powerful indicator about a lack of wellness going on in you if you pay attention. And we all know this, right? If you're gaining weight, you know is it just that you're eating too much and you lack self-control no we beat ourselves up like that all the time what's wrong with me why don't i have self-control well have you stopped to say maybe this is a sign that that one of these other parts of me aren't healthy that that i'm not dealing with something in my emotional life my mental life my work life my financial life you know my 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 purpose i'm not, i'm not dealing with this and and now this is being manifest through me physically or if you're getting sick often uh, you know it's like Life is stressful, my, I, I'm short on money, my relationships are all out of whack, and great, now I'm sick. And we think, oh gosh, what crummy luck. No, 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 you're sick probably because all of those things are wrong. Your body's trying to tell you something. See, God has interwoven you amazingly, and the physical part of yourself is often the first sign when things go wrong with you physically. It's the first and most obvious sign that something's not healthy within you. So what I want to challenge you to do today is I want you to take an honest look at your body. Look at what's going on. Look at how you're feeling physically. And then begin to take seriously the messages that your body is sending you. Because it's not just your body, right? It's all of you. And your body is an important indicator of what is going on more deeply within you. So we've got to start paying attention to our bodies. And if, and if you do this today, if this is the only thing you take away from this, good. Good. If you can push back past feeling ashamed about what your body looks like or feels like or feeling judged or anything else, if you can just get honest and start to look at your body and saying, what is, what, is, what is my body telling me right now? What do I need to address in my greater picture of health that I'm not addressing? And my body is showing me again and again, and I keep ignoring it. I keep hiding it. I buy bigger clothes. I, you know, am masking it with, with you know, antihistamines or whatever else, and all of that can be good and appropriate, but, but, but man, if you can start listening to your body, you can powerfully begin to add health and wellness into all of you. See, if you believe it, it's just your body, then you'll ignore the physical stuff. But if, you're, if you have a healthy theology of your body, then you realize that your body is an indicator. It's often the first sign of a lack of health in some part of you. And then the second part of this is not only is your body an indicator, but your body is also a lever. See, I don't want you to get the idea that your body is just some passive recipient of whatever is going on in the rest of you. Because that would make the body an unequal player in the whole picture of you. The reality is the body is the first indicator, but your body is also a powerful lever. You know, it's a control panel. It's got the ability to, to move you to greater wellness, not just physically, but in all of you. And today, this is what I want to close off talking about. I want to talk about four things that are within your ability to control four levers, if you will, physical levers that relate to your body that will drastically change your overall picture of wellness. So on one side, yes, my body is manifesting things that are going on in me, and it's an indicator. But if I can take hold of these levers that I'm about to show you, and and trust me, they're not like super deep or insightful. They're things you all know about. I'm just not sure you've always thought about them in the right way. But if I can take hold of these levers and I can begin to move these levers in my life, not only will my body get more healthy, but it will bring health into the rest of me. My body has power to make all of me more healthy if I use it in the right way. So four things that you can control. The first thing, it's obvious, it's what you put in. We're talking about food. And if you're anything like me, I've not been putting good things into my body over the last, I don't know, since Halloween, right? (laughs) Um, it starts then, and it just keeps going. Um, what you put in. Now there are all kinds of disagreement and, and different viewpoints about what you should eat. I, I grew up, and uh, I grew up at a time when it was in this uh, this low fat craze, and I remember being indoctrinated about this in school. That like you should avoid fat. You know, buy low fat foods. If you eat fat, you will die of a heart attack. And, uh, and anyone else grow up that way, or live through that? Yeah. I, and now you, you live in a world where they're like, hey, you know what? There's a diet I've seen on Amazon called the bacon diet, which sounds really good to me, you know? Like, and I am go, how, how can both those things be true? Well, neither one of them is true, right? Um, or when I grew up, there was a food pyramid, right? And we all know the food pyramid. This just changed recently. Do you remember what was on the bottom step of the food pyramid? What kind of food, what food group? Yeah, grains, grains, carbohydrates, grains, grains. Eat as many grains as you want. And, uh, and now we, we, and it's not a pyramid. The pyramid's gone. They tore the pyramid down. Now there's a plate. And, uh, and what's the biggest part of the plate? Vegetables. Vegetables are the biggest part of the plate now. Um, and so there's all this difference of opinion over food and nutrition. And I know that sitting here today, there are literally hundreds. You know, those of you joining us online, there are literally hundreds of ideas or viewpoints related to food. And this is what gets so confusing. This is what gets exhausting. There are diets that are so meticulous about what you can and cannot eat that they will wear you out. They will send you to McDonald's like right now to just get a Big Mac because you're like, I'm done. I give. I surrender. But, but here's what you find, uh, just, just, man, when it comes to what you put into your body, keep it simple. Keep it simple. I strongly discourage you, unless you have a dietary reason to do this, and some of you do, you have a medical reason to do this, I strongly discourage you from some really stringent, strict diet about what you can eat and what you can't eat, uh, can or can't eat. Here's what I would say, eat whole foods. And by this, I don't mean you have to shop at whole foods, because <laughs> I can't afford it and many of us can't, Right? A great place, but uh, it's expensive. But eat whole foods. What does this mean? This means eat foods that are as close as possible to the foods that God himself makes. I mean, have you ever done this before? Like, like if you have kids or grandkids, like the kids are like looking at something, you know, a food. And they're like, where do chips come from? And you're like, I remember this one time with American cheese. Where does, where does American cheese come from? And I'm like, I really have no idea. So so if you have no idea, if you can't point to a bush or a plant or a tree or an animal that it comes from directly, if it's not as close to that state as possible, it's probably not a whole food. If it's made in a laboratory, it's not a whole food. And here's the reason why you should eat only whole foods. Uh, Because in that stuff made in laboratory, uh, they not only put a bunch of additives in there, and one of the biggest additives is sugar. And if you don't know this by now, let me just tell you, sugar is the devil. It really is. We eat way too much sugar and it's destroying our bodies. Absolutely. So many of us in this room will end up diabetic before we die because there's way too much sugar in our food. It's not because you love sugar. It's because sugar is in everything you eat if it's processed in a factory because they love to dump sugar in. Uh, Not only are there additives, but they often take out things that are very healthful. You know, low-fat foods when they start removing fats out. Well, sometimes by taking the fat out, that's the very thing your body needs in order to digest all of the good stuff in your food. And so when you start stripping out the things that God has put into food that's meant to be healthy for us, you start messing with things, and, and ultimately you won't be as healthy as you could be. So eat whole foods. Eat things that, is clo- that are as close as possible to the foods that God makes. And if you do that, I mean, just simply, like, Hey, does God make this? Do I recognize this? Does this come out of the ground? Does this come from an animal directly somewhere? Uh, if you can do that, I, I promise you will start to feel. Unless you have some sort of food allergy, you'll start to feel better. And not only will you feel better in your body. It will begin to add health to all the rest of you. This is a powerful lever. It is a powerful lever. And uh, there, there's so you know so much temptation out there. There's so many different viewpoints. Of, uh, just keep it simple. And if you can eat as many whole foods as possible, even 80% of the time, your body will get healthier and you'll bring greater health to all the rest of you. So that's the first lever, what you put in. The second lever is how you use it. Here I'm talking about activity. And I'm not even talking about exercise, although that's included in activity. I'm just talking about physical activity. Because what does modern life look like? Modern life looks like you go to work and you sit and you sit, and you sit, and you get home, and you're so tired of sitting that what do you have to do? You have to sit some more. You just have to sit down because you're so tired of sitting, because sitting is exhausting, isn't it? But you weren't made to sit all day. You were made to be active. Again, you weren't necessarily made to compete in triathlons or marathons or do any of that, that hardcore stuff. No, I mean, that's fine, but no. I mean, d- don't think about it that way. You were made to be active. Uh, Gary Shopper, he was on our staff for um, a number of years. He retired about a year and a half ago. He was a guy in his uh, mid-70s when he retired. Um, he would say that you've got to especially be careful as you age, that we have a very sedentary life, but as you age, you make decisions in life that, that uh, work against you. They work against your activity. So you get older and you sell the house with a flight of stairs in it because you want to live on one level. And he says, you know, there may be reasons to do that, but often it's that flight of stairs that's keeping you mobile, that's keeping you active. Uh, Gary was a big advocate. He said, you know, as you age, don't start trolling for the parking spot closest to the door of, of the church or the store. He said, park, if you're older, park far away. You should be parking the furthest away because you need to be active. And, and literally, that's what Gary would do. He'd park way out in our parking lot in the very last space, and he'd walk in every day from that space. He modeled that. So your body is made for activity. So find a way to make your body move. Now, this time of year, people go crazy with this. And so you, you join a gym, and you're going to go six days a week, and you're going you're to make yourself hurt. And then you quit in two weeks, and you wonder why. It's because you hurt. You don't have to hurt yourself. Again, I mean, you don't have to abuse your body. Just move. Begin to get a little more active. Science says again and again that one of the healthiest, healthiest things you can do is daily walking. Go for a nice walk. And, uh, you know, you don't have to speed walk, but walk like you're late. That's the advice they give. Walk like you're late. Just, you know, move your body fast enough like you're running a little bit behind. And that's one of the greatest things you can do for your health. This time, a lot of people also try to pick up running. And so, you know, you buy a pair of running shoes or you got a pair of running shoes for Christmas. And you're like, I'm going to go running. And I know there's some runners in the room and you love running. And maybe your body is, is now conditioned to run. But if you've not been active in a while, running is a terrible idea. I mean, I think generally running is a terrible idea. And I like to exercise. I hate to run. Because because running is not as easy as it seems. It's hard on your body if you don't do it well. You, you're prone to injuries. You can really hurt yourself, and, and then you can't do anything. Not only that, but it's taxing on your cardiovascular system, and and so you will wear yourself out. And man, there's no way in the winter you're going to get up at six in the morning to run when you're hurting yourself if you don't even like it that much, right? You don't have to do that to yourself. Just get active. Let your body move. Take the stairs. I'm serious. Just simple stuff. And again, it doesn't, we, we just want to go to the extreme. We want to go from like, I'm inactive to being crazy active. No, 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 just get active. If you want to exercise, don't do it six days a week. I work out three to four days a week. Trust me, it's fine. It's all you need, really. And you know, Christmas week, I missed a whole week. It's okay. Just get in the habit of getting active. So what you put in, how you use it, powerful lever. This one's a little different. Who you let in. Who you let in is also a lever to your wellness, And here I'm primarily talking about physical contact, physical touch. Now it's weird because we live in a society a lot like, you know, the Corinthians were, where we have become way too open to sexual contact. It's just kind of normal. People are very casual about sexual contact. Um, But we've become, this is so fascinating, we've become simultaneously very standoffish, very closed off from non-sexual physical contact with each other. I mean, in my own life, I experienced this. I grew up in a family that was very affectionate. We were huggers. Uh, and when I would go over to my grandparents' house and my aunts and uncles were there, like I would get, you know, my aunts grabbing by the face and kissing me on the lips. And uh, that was just life, right? And so I grew up and I knew not everyone wanted to be kissed on the lips. So I didn't do that. Um, but I'd hug people. And I'd, I knew it made some people uncomfortable, but it didn't matter. i just, I'd hug them. That was the way I would show them I was glad to see them and, and just to, to connect with some warmth. And, and then um, I, I think it happened when I went to, through seminary. And I became a pastor, and I started to get self-conscious. And I started to think, well, maybe as a pastor, I shouldn't hug everyone. Or maybe that makes people uncomfortable. Or maybe people will get the wrong idea. Or maybe it's just weird. And so I stopped being a huggy person. Um, well, that's okay, because I still have kids. And, you know, my kids and I, we, we hug. But with the rest of the people, I don't hug. But, but it struck me a few years ago that not everyone has kids, right? I mean, when you have kids, you're like, please, can someone just stop touching me for a minute? But when you don't have kids, I mean, you can live a whole day, and I've thought about this, I can live a whole day um, without, without physical contact, and that's just, that's just wrong. So as a, as a society, we've become very open to sexual contact, and I think part of that is because we're so hungry for physical contact, we don't know what to do, but we've become very standoffish in non-sexual physical contact with each other. And so we need to think about who we let into our lives, being restrictive when it comes to sexual contact. But when it comes to our community, to the people around us, the people we go to church with, the people we work with, I think we need to open ourselves up. We need physical contact back. And whether it's germophobia or homophobia or whatever kind of phobia it is that keeps us from, from making physical contact with each other, we need to stop. And we need to engage in physical contact. It used to be people would hug. They would kiss. Uh, It used to be that people would shake hands. In the winter, we just wave because we're afraid of germs, right? We're like, hey, hey. It's not healthy. Again, science says over and over again that physical contact is pivotal in healing from uh, illness or or surgery. That those who have physical contact heal quicker. You can ward off diseases better. You will be healthier physically. And to me, this just makes sense because here's the thing. Although we deny the physical part of of ourselves as being valid so often, everything that's real and good in life has a physical manifestation. And so we all in this room realize that relationships are important. We're we're going to talk about this in a coming week. And And yet relationships are important, and so they need to be experienced physically. They really, really do. If they're going to be real and good, they have to be experienced physically. I mean, even God is this way. God is a spirit. He's far off, right? No, God came down in flesh. That's what we just celebrated at Christmas, right? God came down in flesh to, to be with us physically. And in, in today, at the end of our service, we're going to have the presence of God come to us in bread, in wine, in his body, and in his blood, because God comes down and he interacts with us physically. Things that are important, things that are good, things in order for things to be real, they must be experienced physically. And so I think this is an under utilized lever to wellness in our lives. And maybe this is something you need to think about, about who you let in, becoming more restrictive in some senses, but becoming more inclusive in other, in other ways. I, I really hope to see a lot more hugging going on up in here in future weeks. Um, and then last, the last one, how you rest it. Uh, so what you put in, how you use it, who you let in, how you rest it. Rest is so important. Uh, you know, they say seven or eight hours sleep are required for us. I know there's some guys in the room right now who are going, man, I can get by on six. No, you can't. I mean, you can get by, but that's not the same thing as being healthy, right? Not only that, but the seven or eight hours of sleep that you should get each night, um, ideally, you'll get more out of your sleep if you go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. Um, So that seven or eight hours will mean more. It will be more restful for you if you get in a rhythm. Now, I know that most of us don't do that. Most of us don't want to go to bed. Most of us fight bedtime, and I, and I know why. It's because you live life, and stuff is so busy, and you're so, uh, you know, just day is stressful, and, and you get home, and if you got a family, the family's stressful, and you're taking care of stuff, that finally when everything is, is, is quiet, the last thing you want to do is go to bed, close your eyes, they'll be open before you know it, and start the whole rat race all over again, Right? And so you just try to stall it. You try to stall tomorrow and you go, I'm going to watch some TV, I'm going to get online, and you burn a couple of hours and you go to bed and you don't have enough time to rest. Do you know part of the reason that tomorrow seems so daunting to you? It's because you're chronically underrested. I'm serious. A couple of years ago, we started doing this. We have young kids, and we would just do the veg out thing for a few hours. And uh, we just said, forget it. Our, our kids would go to bed. We would go to bed shortly thereafter. I can't tell you the difference that it makes, not only in my energy, but in my relationships, in my performance at work, in every other part of my life. And when I'm underrested, I can feel it. Gosh, here's the deal, guys. Some of you have relationship problems today. Some of you have have money problems. You have work problems. Things aren't going well in your life. And it's all because you're too stubborn to go to bed at a reasonable time. You can change this, right? I mean, how easy is it to change this? Just begin to change it. See, See, there are four levers here Things that you can control about your physical self, what you put in, how you use it, who you let in, and how you rest it. Four things that you can use that will begin to bring greater wellness to your physical body, yes, but to all the rest of you as well. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do today. I want you to think of one of these things, just one of these things, okay? One of these things that you need in your life most. Don't try to do all four things at once. You'll just wear yourself out. Uh, But wellness is, is, you know, step by step, slowly... Um, adding things into your life. So which one of these things is the thing you need the most? Maybe you need to get to bed at a reasonable time. Maybe you need to get active. Maybe you need to let people hug you. Maybe you need to let people touch you to experience closeness with people. What is it for you? Just pick one. And if you're looking at this list and you realize there are a lot of things that you need, then then right now I give you permission. You can take out your phone on your calendar, put a reminder a month from now and say, hey, work on food. But right now I'm going to work on this other thing. Don't try to take too much on today. See, the reality is our body is not just our body. Our body is a gift from God. It's it's powerful, it's connected to all the rest of us. It's an indicator about what's going on in us. It's a warning light for us when things aren't healthy in other parts of our lives that we need to deal with. But it's also a powerful set of levers that we can use to bring wholeness to the rest of us, wellness to the rest of us. It's never just your body, it's something God created. Jesus has died for it. He's redeemed it. He's going to raise it again from the dead someday. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. And so today I want to pray for you that one of those things might become your thing and that you might find greater wellness. Let's pray. Father in heaven,